My next guest, like yours truly, is also a graduate of Scarborough's Sir John McDonald Collegiate Institute. He is a longtime resident of Scarborough who has assisted in the creation of the Wexford Heights Business Improvement Area and the popular Taste of Lawrence Avenue East Festival. Now in his fifth term, he has helped to create the first ever TTC Transit Strategy for Scarborough, was the first chair of Toronto's Music Advisory Committee, and has been the recipient of many awards. Please welcome to the show, Councillor Michael Thompson. Good day. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks. Uh, great. Thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here with you. It's uh, an important opportunity to talk with you about many things. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're sitting in um, the former mayor of Scarborough's office. And if I could paint a picture, it's, it's, um, it's not wall-to-wall -wall carpeting. It's wall-to-ceiling carpet. It's like carpet on the walls. <laughs> This is very extravagant. <laughs> it's definitely a relic, but yeah. at the time, I gather this was the conventional things that you did. You put uh, carpeting on the wall, and you put carpeting on the floor, and uh, you avoid the ceiling, I guess, at yeah. all costs. But it does look, it's rather nostalgic. It looks interesting. It's but that 70s look almost, right? It does, doesn't it? It gives you an impression as to where you have been and where you never want to go back yeah. to. <laughs> true, true. Um, so again, thanks for your time. Um, born in Jamaica. Yes. How old were you when you came? I was about 11, 12, okay. 12 years old. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sunny Jamaica, beautiful island, uh, that I try to get back to as often as I can. Yeah. But it, it hasn't, the, this like we're sitting here, it's almost the end of <coughs> February, uh, pitchers and catchers and everyone's playing baseball down in Florida now. Um, it, this weather hasn't scared you back to Jamaica full time. No, you know, my love for this country and clearly this city is just boundless. And um, the weather, quite frankly, I actually enjoy winter. I enjoy all seasons. Oh um, I think for me personally, um, my um, litmus test is just to wake up every day. Okay. Um, and whatever the weather is, I can handle it. Yeah. Um, winter is a, um, a special time, actually. Um, it gets really cold, yes, but you prepare for it. But um, it's it's transformative in that uh, it causes you to not only you know uh, prepare yourself to be more efficient in terms of how you move and utilization of time expenditure outside. But I remember as a young boy, um, you know, I came to Canada in 1972, and I remember the winters being like this as as a young child. Uh, extensive amounts of snow, extreme cold, uh, but you were out in it skating or learning to skate and uh, playing with your friends. And uh, it was an incredible time for me. So this is rather nostalgic in terms of the weather, in terms of my connection to Canada. Yeah, well, the winter kids seem to love winter. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Eating snow or it's crazy. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 almost as if, you know the notion of a winter wonderland, right? I mm. mean, that I think is very akin to young children, and the exposure. Think about it. You know, I was watching um, uh, a program just last week where young kids in Pasadena, California, mm -hmm. it was snowing, and it is unusual, unheard of, quite frankly. And the kids were out in their shorts and short sleeves and putting their tongue out and so on, trying to catch the <laughs> snowflakes and so on. And I think it's the same thing as young kids here. I mean, you learn certain fundamentals in terms of dealing with winter and so on. But I, I, I enjoy, um, as I said, just on a daily basis to wake up and then to handle whatever God um, offers me at that particular point in time. So I'm good with winter. The nostalgia's got to And I love summer as well. Don't get me wrong. No, I love enough. the heat. I love, I just love being alive, to be honest with there you. There you go. Um, do you, what you're, as, as, a, as, as a child, like, so for example, with Scarborough, you're, you landed here in Scarborough? Well, we landed at the airport and yeah, came yeah. to Scarborough, yeah. and Scarborough has been that destination for me. And so Scarborough has not only a uh, uh, a fondness, I have a love for Scarborough. Scarborough has, uh, I am Scarborough. Um, mm. Scarborough has taught me so much. The people in Scarborough have taught me so much. You know, I, I think I, when I reflect back to uh, the 70s, 
we were one of the only black families living in the area where we lived over in Ironview area uh, back that period. But I have to tell you, um, unlike now where we have a lot of challenge with people and interaction and so on, uh, back then um, I was a star. <laughs> I mean, I was a kid amongst kids, you know. Uh, all the kids there that gr I grew up with were fabulous uh, people. Um, we were all good friends. Um, I don't remember anyone having any battles with others and so on. And we were just too busy <laughs> having a good time and enjoying each other's company yeah. and so on. And um, the families back then were very uh, thoughtful, very caring. Uh, we were a village and uh, we were all, you know, treated with great respect and with great care. Much like your neighborhood, you know, with how you and the other residents there are trying to ensure that those young kids have mm -hmm. such a valuable community experience and the dynamic nature in terms of how you're involved with, you know, the scouting and all of those community uh, initiatives that help young people to develop a real sense of self and an understanding of pride and community and engagement and watching uh, the adults and, and in terms of their ability to supervise them and to give them a real sense of identity yeah. and an aspirational um, uh, you know, attachment to community to recognize that they are not only strong but they're cared for and that there is a foundation to pin themselves into growing and to aspire to become good students and become you know, role models and so on. So for me, Scarborough has been just such a uh, impactful place to have grown up as, um, as a young child. And today, I'm living my dream, having mm -hmm. an opportunity to be able to contribute back yeah. to the very place that actually made me. I spent my first 11, 12 years in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And so while that's very important, um, I think, you know, as I've developed as a man, um, Scarborough has been... Uh, the place that I can say has defined me and I do things now around the world and I take from Scarborough the experience that I've been able to garner. And the good and interesting thing about Scarborough is because so many people from around the world mm -hmm. have come and landed here. Yeah. We've had an opportunity to interact and to develop and to learn and to appreciate and to respect and to understand different customs, different practices, and different cultural nuances and so on. Mm -hmm. And that has then helped me to be able to transcend um, some of the global work that I've done. Yeah. Is, is there a, a favorite childhood memory that you have of this place? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that there are so many, but if I, have to, um, I, if I have to pick one specifically, I would say it's our summer interaction. Mm. Um, back in the day, we didn't have, um, you know, the social media and the technology advancement that we have today that most kids are really in tune to. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Our technology was just nature. Yeah. Our, um, you know, experiences were just being out and about, moving around. And we had a we have a park, Maidovale Park, where many of us would spend from morning to late night in the park. And um, there was a, uh, well, one of the fathers, I don't know which father had done it, but they put up a swing on one of the branches, uh, I should say the limbs, uh, yeah. the tree. And that swing was our sort of medium that of interchange, of interaction, uh, experience. We'd swing across the creek back and forth and making all these amazing sounds, acting like we could fly yeah. and Tarzan and so on. So I think that memory um, is etched into my mind in terms of as a stability, uh, an opportunity where people in the community came and interact and so on. And we shared and we, because we took turns going on the swing, yeah, right? Yeah. We, we were in line, we didn't butt in, we, we learned a lot of things. So I, it was my playground of life in Scarborough. Interesting. Um, <coughs> you talk about, you know, in some of the work that you do, you're on the uh, Economic Development Committee. I believe you chair. I chair the economic development. Which so I, I chaired what was the economic development committee for eight years for the city. Mm -hmm. That now has been transformed into both economic and community development okay. and so on. So business and all things neighborhood, community, long term care, uh, dealing with shelter services, youth issues, okay. seniors issues, and so on. So yeah. it's very all encompassing all now. Encompassing. 
Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, with your interactions, uh, you know, bo both as a counselor um, and as someone looking after the economic and uh, community development um, for the city uh, and in your travels, is there anything that you've taken from Scarborough that the world looks at um, that other places have sort of adopted? And then on the reverse side, is there any sort of best practices that you've seen globally that we're starting to uh, enact here? That's a really uh, good question. It's an important question, actually, and it really speaks to the, um, the viability of um, interaction of all the different cultures that are here in Scarborough. And so because I've been able to meet with and interact and learn from so many people, I've been able to take that experience globally mm -hmm. and to talk to people about how different cultures and different um, uh, interests, people's interests, can actually create a, um, a wonderful explosion of virtue and, 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 and um, positive outcomes and so on. And so I've been to places um, in Frankfurt, I've been to other p parts of the world where I've been able to talk to people about how to integrate, how to get people to socialize, and how different interests and different cultures can actually share and respect and appreciate one another and so on and minimize the, um, the level of distrust, for example. I was in France and I was um, invited to a uh, meeting with some of the people in uh, some of the social service um, um, entities as part of the government to talk about how you know different people coming into France um, are feeling marginalized and disenfranchised and how it is that in, in Toronto and in Scarborough you're able to kind of em empower people and so on. That's been very helpful. Another thing that we've done, which is not specifically just for Scarborough, but for the city of Toronto, we have used our uh, BIA, Business Improvement Area, um, experiences and um, an initiative that was developed for us here in Toronto. I have, um, in fact, introduced that to Jamaica. Yeah. I've introduced that to Belize. I've introduced that to a number of other cities around the world where they are now incorporate their aspect of um, business improvement areas, how to help businesses to improve. And vice versa, I've learned from other parts of the world, um, seen how um, other parts of the world look at um, creating investment opportunities, look at creating wealth, um, and opening the doors to opportunities. We've tried to do the same thing here in Toronto, where we've been able to you know, um, chart a, an international program to attract more investments in the city of Toronto. Uh, so as to create more jobs, as well as to create um, um, engagement opportunities where we can look at exporting more of the goods and products and services that we offer here uh, in Canada. Because for every um, you know opportunity in terms of exporting, you can create more wealth than you do with respect to producing a product here and selling it locally. Mm -hmm. And so sure, that yeah. helps us to transform. And so those are some of the things I've been able to, there to, to be able to realize and been able to kind of put in practice. Mm -hmm. How did politics <coughs> come to you? Like what, what, what was the, what attracted you to this, to this game here? Yeah, so you recall earlier I talked about um, our days in Maidervale Park mm -hmm. and uh, we talked about the swing. Um, one day, that swing that I spoke about earlier that we have ha we had such affinity uh, for and towards was cut down by the then a borough of Scarborough, which is Scarborough was not a city then, mm -hmm. it was a borough. And uh, someone mentioned that the person who was the local politician of the day lived down the street and so on. And I I'm not sure how we actually got to know that, but as I said, somebody knew that, I don't know how they knew. Yeah. Because we were not very actively sure. involved in <laughs> politics, or I think we As were like kid, 12 years old. Yeah, no interest, <laughs> right? And so um, <clears throat> we thought, well, let's go down there and kind of talk to that person. Yeah. And I believe it was, a, it was a woman who was the alderman of the day and we went to the house. And um, 
we were we didn't have a leader we didn't have anybody who was going to go up in front we we're just all walking down we we're all kind of yeah. we were very upset yeah. as upset as young 12 year olds <laughs> can be or 13 year olds at the time whatever we were and we got to the house we walked up the st uh, the, uh, the porch and um someone kind of pushed me in front go, yeah you go ahead and do it mike Mike would call me at the <laughs> those days, right? Um, so okay, fine, and I'm kind of you know yeah. kind of trembling a little bit in my boots, <laughs> didn't know what to say. And door open, lady opened, and I s sort of said, you know, um, ma'am, uh, the uh, we just wanted to talk to you about the rope that's on the uh, the tree uh, in the creek. Uh, someone said that the uh, burr of Scarborough had come and cut it down. We're just wondering if you could uh, get it back up for us. And she closed the door. Oh no. <laughs> It was such a <laughs> gut-wrenching, heart-stopping moment, quite frankly. And that was, I think for me, mm -hmm. the turning point in terms of uh, wanting to make sure I could be heard firstly. Okay. Wanting to make sure that somebody could respond to our needs and so on. I had no idea about politics or what it was all about, but I just thought it said at that time, one day, one day, I'm going to basically be leading and doing something, and I will not treat people that way. Wow. And that was kind of my, um, my sort of, the, 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 the what clicked in my mind about the ability to do something. And from there on, I um, found ways to engage myself in terms of offering my free labor mm -hmm. to political campaigns, and it was extremely well received because mm -hmm. free labors are... Free labor is a good thing for political campaigns oh, so yeah, yeah. because you can't really pay people anything you don't have the budget and so on. And so I started at the bottom, mm -hmm. and uh, I was a young black kid. Um, and I use that term, young black kid, but I was just a kid growing up. I didn't grow up like as a black kid or any kid. I just grew up as a kid. Yeah. You know, that's what I remember mostly. So today, I, I you know, I, I just kind of do things as a person. Yeah. I don't do it as a that person, this person, I just do it as a person. I just approach things from a uh, perspective of it has to get done mm -hmm. or that something has to be done. Mm -hmm. And I don't approach it of, oh, you know, I'm a specific color or anything that uh, suggests that it would be I would be marginalized or that there's expectation of that sort of thing. I have no expectations of those sort of things yeah. when I approach situations. And that's what I encourage young people today. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, and so on. Mm -hmm. As long as you know that you have an interest in something, mm -hmm. you should get up and speak to it. You should get up and express yourself in a manner that's respectful, mm -hmm. in a manner that's dignified, in a manner that when you look back, and review your own actions, mm -hmm. that you will be absolutely happy or proud with the manner in which you've conveyed yourself and conducted yourself and so on. So it's about a sense of personal excellence yeah. and a personal sense of um, not only dignity, but self-respect is such an important thing that all people should have, no matter what age we are. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have anything to do with one's cultural background, the way one looks, or the color of one's skin. It really has to do with the individual, being a member of the human family, recognizing that we have a sense of self-respect and a duty mm -hmm. to uphold that. And when you interact with others and so on, yeah. you interact in a way of respect. You may not always agree, but you can respectfully disagree and so on. Yeah. Um, wow, there's a lot of stuff that I, that we can sort of delve into there. Well, let me we just have to do these more often then. Yeah, we should. <laughs> <laughs> I may learn something. Well, okay, so we're talking in fe it's, it's February. It's yes. at the end of February. Hopefully I'll, I'll be able to get this uh, up th this month. Yes. But specifically, okay, so around Black History Month, how, yes. how do you approach it? What does that mean to you? Mm. So for me, Black History Month, itself represents an opportunity to engage the broader community in um, providing education, to communicate, to help to understand the contributions that blacks have actually made uh, to this country, this city, this province of Canada, you know, province of Ontario, country of Canada, and so on. Um, 
it also is an opportunity for others to interact and to engage because there are a variety of activities that's going on, young kids are learning and so on, so as to broaden one's uh, sense of understanding of uh, the black community, black culture, equally uh, other cultures um, having specific recognition that it's the onus is on all of us to understand each other. And so Black History Month uh, provides that opportunity. I mean, uh, blacks, uh, as uh, I have been able to research, have been on these shores uh, since uh, 1603, when um, Matthias da Costa, who was the navigator for Champlain, the explorer, came on the Nova Scotia shore and so on. And, uh, you know, blacks from the Caribbean uh, have migrated uh, to Canada from as early as the uh, 20s and so on, right, 1920s. And even before that, in, in fact, in the 1893, 1894, we had a black alderman, Willie P. Hubbard. Okay. Uh, most uh, Torontonians are not aware of that. He was elected 13 times. There were wow. single-year elections. Every year you had an election, <laughs> exactly, right? So he was elected 13 times. He was very instrumental in the formation of what is now Toronto Hydro. He was also one of those who fought to ensure that the uh, tri Chinese um, dry cleaners and the, who were having a tremendous time in the city of Toronto, that they were treated fairly and so on. So there's been a sense of um, wanting to ensure fairness, wanting to ensure in inclusiveness and so on. Uh, he was also the fellow who saved um, uh, Darcy McGee, who was the publisher of the uh, Globe and Mail newspaper at the time and so on. And so I think, you know, it's really important to recognize the contributions that have been made. Uh, in fact, uh, where City Hall is now located and where the new courthouse is being built, those are lands that were actually owned by blacks. Uh, many of them uh, escaped uh, and, and freed uh, slaves from the United States who came through the Underground Railroad. The first um, you know, taxi cab that you know was built and developed in the city of Toronto was developed by a black man and woman. Uh, the colors of the taxi that was used then is now reflected in the TTC colors. And so there's been so much, you know, that people don't know and don't appreciate because oftentimes, you know, people look at things as they see them and not necessarily recognizing the historical um, narrative and the understanding. So Black History Month provides an opportunity where uh, you can focus on um, telling the story of the um, black community uh, its rich history and providing others with an opportunity to learn. And then I think also to speak to the future of moving forward and integration of ideas, thoughts, and people coming together and so on. Because, you know, uh, the fact that a person is black, I don't know what that has to do with anything in terms of why they can't have access to jobs, certain jobs and opportunities and so on, and why people would feel that they could disrespect them and so on in any fashion. The fact that any person who is whoever um, does not provide an entitlement for anyone to abuse or, or disrespect them in any fashion at all. And so while we've come a long way, we still have a lot longer to go in terms of um, uh, you know, racial equality, uh, anti-racism and, and so on. And I mean that from all sector, right, as a society. Yeah. Um, and I think, though, that uh, we are, as Canadians, a strong model in terms of where the world needs to go. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that we have done a lot, and our country has grown, our city has grown, our province has grown. Um, there's a lot more to be done, of course, but I believe um, moving forward collectively, your children and all the children of, of this city will be able to collectively deal with many of the things that we now have some challenges because there's much more of commonality of interests as well as integration of ideas and uh, having worked together, going through schools and socializing and so on and so forth, and living in neighborhoods where people are contributing, making the neighborhood a better place. And so there won't be any time to worry about what someone looked like or talk about their race it'll be time about it will be more time focused on talking about 
how do we deal with our global warming? <laughs> how do we deal with, uh, you know, fluctuation in, in, in currency? How do we deal with creating jobs? How do we do creating uh, investment opportunities and so on? How do we deal with political issues and things like that? How do we do about building better housing, more affordable housing? How do we address the issue around transit? S using your time wisely mm -hmm. to focus on things that are really super important and that really matters, yeah. as opposed to this sort of superficial things that we tend to kind of, you know, make up and use them as being a matter of problem or discontent, mm -hmm. whereas we really should be utilizing our energy and our focus on really important issues that has societal benefits and it has potential to create growth, to create a sense of harmony, and so on, as opposed to the discourse of, you know, using uh, terms and using things out of term and, and uh, the inconsistency with respect to this whole notion of um, discriminatory practice and so on. It's just something that's not helpful in the long run. Mm -hmm. Some would say that the, um, you know, I think it was during, during the election, people were, were, were noticing or pointing to um, the, the makeup of city council uh, and how, you know, if, if, one would, if one were to land in Toronto and the first thing they saw was city council, they would have a picture of this is what the city looks like. But then when you leave city council and you look at uh, the city of Toronto, you see different things. You, s you see, you know, whether it is different uh, colors of people, different um, income brackets that people live in, uh, different things that people do. And, and so one of the things that was uh, commented on um, and has been commented on for a, for a long time is um, the way city council, uh, you know, who city council is made up of and does that reflect uh, the citizenry of the city? Um, and if one would say it doesn't, then does that impact sort of the bigger issues that you talk about that we can focus on, right? So I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that, because you're still also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're still the only black uh, counselor, um, and you have been for, from, since you started. I don't think there's been anyone else. Um, your, th your, th your, th your, th your thoughts on that, and does it matter that yeah. there's representation? Um, I'll take the last okay. uh, <laughs> portion the, uh, of your question yeah, to yeah. begin sure. uh, uh, to formulate an answer. Uh, yes, it does matter. Okay. It does matter. Um, yes, you're right. Uh, the city council does not reflect the uh, population diversity that exists in the city of Toronto. Um, and the question is, um, does that matter? Uh, again, yes, it does. Mm -hmm. um, what can be done about it? What should be done about it? And does that matter? Uh, yes, it does matter that something be done about it. And can something be done about it? Yes, it, it can. Here's the, um, the challenge. There are many people who, during election periods, mm -hmm. step forward and say, I'm going to run for council. And that's fantastic. The problem that people fail to kind of realize, uh, elections start much earlier than the election period. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you decided that you wanted to run for council, the time to start is not during the six month period that the election period is. Yeah. Time to start is actually now. Yeah. What do I mean by that? Well, what I've learned as a, uh, you defined me and, and I am, uh, as a black man mm -hmm. uh, representing an area that is quite diverse, but only 8% black. Okay. Yeah. Um, what I realize uh, is that my time as a uh, community uh, engagement person, I wouldn't say, uh, that, uh, that's a term I'll use, right? Because I also worked and so on, I was involved in the community. I engage with people, network, learnt, involved myself in some of the issues that they were dealing with, offered suggestions, ideas, and so on. So I grew my brand within that context. And so my first time when I ran, I wasn't successful, which was 1994. And I'll get back to that in a moment if time permits. Um, when you look at the city and you look at the makeup of the city, 
unless you predetermine that a certain number of people of color will be on council mm -hmm. and you set that structure, yeah. the only other way to change that is to ensure that those who are interested mm -hmm. in being a member of that body, because this is an exclusive body, Sure. You know, you think about it. There are 25 members of council and one mayor, so 26. Mm -hmm. Population is 2.8 million people. So the 26 people put rules and laws and regulations in place that governs 2.8 million people minus 26, yeah. um, plus all the visitors, all the people sure. who come into the city. Yeah. That's a big deal, mm -hmm. right? And as a counselor, you've got enormous amount of power, enormous amount of power, and it has to be utilized in the right way. And so back to the question. So <clears throat> if you want to see more diversity and you're not interested, that is prescribing a number of particular seats that has to be held by a certain group of people, mm -hmm then what has to happen is that there has to be a increase um, uh, level of educating the population who are interested from the diverse background about interacting and getting involved in politics. Um, they then have to pursue those efforts. They have to decide where they want to get engaged and so on. And you go through a process in learning about your community, understanding what their needs are, understanding what issues are of interest to them, coming up with ideas in terms of working with them, and that is not having been elected, mm. right? And so you start formulating, and as you move towards that period where it's there's an election coming and you express your interest to people that I want to run for city council, people, at least in my experience, some may look at me and saying, he's black, I don't want him. Sure. That's fine. There's some. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. I don't know to what degree. I don't think it's that many based on the numbers that I get, right? Sure. And that's their prerogative. But the vast majority of people, fair-minded, who are of a view that they're going to look at a candidate to find that candidate who best exemplifies the type of person that they want to represent their interests. Mm -hmm. And I've found that people didn't care whether or not you're black, blue, green, or purple. It mattered to them that A, they felt you can articulate what their concerns and views are. You can speak the language to, or to power, so to speak. Sure. Right? And you can carry yourself and comport yourself in a way that reflects them. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, what all politicians should realize, that you're not there for yourself. Mm -hmm. You're actually there for the very people who you ask to help you. Because really, you know, honestly, it's a great privilege and it's a great honor being selected by the people to represent them. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, there is a lack of diversity on council. Yes, there is um, a need for more. Because the better the diversity is at the decision-making table, the better the input with respect to information allows you to get to better decisions that reflectively, reflectively captures the interest and helps people mm. to make their lives better and so on. I don't believe in uh, this notion or this thought that you would set aside a prescriptive number of seats, for sure, example. Sure, sure. Uh, I believe you have to earn what you get. Mm -hmm. I believe that you have to understand the, the, the structure, the system, the processes, and you have to be part of it in order to um, garner your success and so on. So there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, I believe that there's an opportunity, but the time to Position yourself to run for council, get involved in the election process, is not the year when the election started. You got to start working right away. Right away. Yeah. You have to have a belief. Sure. You have to have an understanding. You have to, you know, if you decide you want to work in a certain community and you want and you live in that community, you got to be in there. People got to get to know you. You've got to be able to help people to understand. In my case, for example, uh, forming the, the, the BIA, uh, forming the, uh, coming up with the idea around setting up... Um, the taste of Lawrence, I wasn't elected to anything. Mm -hmm. I would go and knock on the doors and talk to people and say, hey, all the businesses, hey, what do you think? We should do the following for our community. Mm -hmm. 
Sometimes people ask me to leave their businesses. <laughs> they ta they thought I was crazy. Yeah. Uh, now they don't, because yeah. 16 years later, sure. this is one of the top street festivals in the entire country, mm. right? And the BIA, the BIA was, the businesses weren't really connecting with the community. The community weren't really com connecting with the businesses. Well, what do you do? Well, let's offer them an opportunity where we as businesses, the businesses could actually get together and understand what their goals and objectives are, understand what the concerns of the communities were, <coughs> and then to be able to talk to the community about you know, how they're going to help them, how they're going to serve them, and so on. So we were able to bring those things together, and that has been very helpful. So all of these things require work, requires attention, requires an understanding as to um, you know, how to deliver to get results, to address issues, and how to connect with the community at large so that they understand if given the ability to represent them to government and resources, you can then magnify that hmm. and have a positive impact. And then it doesn't matter whether or not you're black, white, blue, or any other color. It really matters that you understand that what is required is a collaboration, engagement, uh, input, understanding, and then you frame all of that and you bring it forward and you say, I'm your candidate mm -hmm. and I'm interested in addressing all of these issues for you. Because people vote for people mm -hmm. who they think are going to help them with their issues. Sure, absolutely. Um, you referenced uh, <coughs> running the first time and losing. Um, yeah. That was Norm Kelly, was it, that you were running against? Who's no longer here. Um, he was actually- In council. In council, sorry, yeah, yes. <laughs> Thank you. He's here. He's Thank <laughs> you. He's around somewhere. <laughs> yeah, he's um, Norm's a great guy. Uh, so he was, he was my counselor uh, yes. before he, everything sort of changed over yeah. the past uh, year or so. Um, but you lost to him and then he became a colleague of yours. Yes. Um, and well, well, let's be very yeah, clear. Yeah, yeah. I never view it as losing it to losing to him. Okay. I just lost that election okay. opportunity. All right. Because uh, when I, and it's really important. Okay, and sure, I, it may sure, seem sure. like you know, semantics, but I think it's okay. really important. A lot of times, people say things like, "Well, I'm going to run against so and so. I'm going to run against so and so and so." Mm -hmm. I have never ran against anybody. Mm -hmm. I've always ran for something. Okay. All right. And for me, in my mindset, yeah. it's a different position. Because mm -hmm. if I'm running against you, it means that some t I'm competing uh, and so on. And, and it may very well be a competition at the end of the day, depending how you look at it. Sure, sure. But what I look at is it's a position to be a counselor. So I'm running for that, mm. right? And so I'm doing everything to expose um, my ideas to the public. So when they connect with respect to the ideas and they connect as to what that counselor or that position should entails or who should have that position, if my ideas all connect to that, then they're going to vote for the person with the ideas, the counselor. Because I think they vote for the ideas first okay. and they vote for the person second. Yeah. That's just my view. Yeah. Some of them might say they vote for the person first. But you've got to understand what the person's ideas are. Right. Sure. Before you can actually then assess that that's a person of and the character of the person that you actually want to support and endorse for things like council. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. I don't. It's interesting because you know there's there's also something to be said about name recognition. Oh yeah. Right. And. Um, uh, but that's universal though. Yeah. I mean, name recognition, not just in politics. Yeah. Name recognition buying cereal. True. Name recognition and buying I don't know um, contact lenses. Uh, name recognition and going to buy candies. Mm -hmm. um, the thing is you establish a brand. Branding is such an important formulation for success. Yeah. And that's why people advertise, mm -hmm. right? And that's why you yeah. do all those sort of things, right? So and people talk about name recognition and politics and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm thinking, like, so what? Mm -hmm. You have to start somewhere. And you don't diminish your name when you get established. Yeah. Your name get gets amplified, yeah. A, because you're interacting with the media, you're doing all these many things. Yeah. And so it's hard to then uh, downplay that name recognition. Of course yeah. the name recognition is important. I get I go to places with people, oh yeah, Michael Thompson, I know that name, I know you, yeah. I, and I've never met them before. Sure. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't believe 
that um, from my perspective, that's mm -hmm. a problem. Because mm -hmm. if you were uh, elected or if you were a brand and you didn't have name recognition, guess what? You're no longer a real brand of mm -hmm. recognition and people are going to take note. And so I don't think that is, uh, I mean, for some that's a problem if you don't have the name recognition. I get that. Mm -hmm. But the fact is to kind of dump on the people who have name recognition and say, well, you know, because you have You're name just running recognition. You're running on your name. Yeah. Running on your name. Yeah. Well, I, I think people are really super smart. And they know if you're not doing the job, mm -hmm. they're not going to support you. Yeah. So no matter what your name is, mm -hmm. people are not going to support you. So, you know, it's hard for incumbents to lose. I get that. Mm -hmm. But it's not impossible. Yeah. Uh, because people do um, look and determine whether or not the incumbents are doing their job, reflecting of the people's interests and so on. Yeah. Um, I look outside this window and it's all white now. <laughs> in snow. In snow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really coming it's down. It's coming down. Yeah. Um, but doesn't it look lovely and pretty, though? Come yeah, on. From inside, it looks lovely. Oh, <laughs> as soon as I got it. Let's go out and dress. I got boots <laughs> and. Cool. Don't be <laughs> um, I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't talk about um, politics today, um, specific around um, the province. Um, starting to get more involved, it seems, at a local level, whether yeah. that was um, almost halving the, the size of city council, uh, and now um, there's talk of them starting to uh, upload, if that's the right term, uh, the TTC, and maybe there's going to be other services that the city... The subways, subways Subways specifically, yeah. yeah. Um, your thoughts on, on sure. all of this and whether it's disruptive stuff, is it good, is it bad, is it wait and see? What do you, what do you think? Sure. Well, first of all, let me say this. I like the premier. Um, okay. I, he's a friend of mine. Okay. And I work with him and his brother. Okay. Um, I know him to be a very dedicated person. I know him to be a person of great character and I know him to be a person of strong integrity, quite frankly. And so... Uh, he has a particular uh, philosophy and principles that he brings to government, and which may be different from others. But I think that's the the beauty of government and different type and styles of government, and also uh, the you know the um, I guess the principal um, perspective of a let's say NDP government or conservative government or liberal government. They're all different. They have different philosophy and political philosophy and so on. Um, let me first of all say that I, I agreed with the decision to reduce the size of council. It's a heck of a lot more work, a lot more engaged, a lot more uh, things to be done and so on. But it is um, uh, an opportunity for us as uh, councillors and uh, uh, city council uh, to be more strategic, be more stealth in terms of how we do things. It reduces the time of meetings now, and it really helps us to really focus and pinpoint our efforts on making things happen and getting results and so on. So that those are some of the good things. I'm not sure necessarily we're going to save it a lot more money, but I think that the benefits of being able to get to decisions much quicker and getting things done much faster and people can see sort of outcomes. And they haven't fully realized that yet because it's still early days so far with respect to this new reduced council and so on. Um, <coughs> has it impacted, uh, sorry to interrupt, has it no impacted, problem. you know, some people say that the less, there, there might be smaller meetings, there might be less time, Yeah. Um, but is that necessarily a good thing when people say now representation instead of now you're representing over 100,000 people Correct. before maybe it was 50,000 people, so there's less representation now in city council, um, does that mean there's less uh, democracy, people are making that argument that that means there's less democracy. So does does that matter or impact? I, I don't feel that balance. Yeah, I, I don't feel that there is less representation. Um, I don't feel that there's less democracy. I think that in fact, if anything, there's more. Uh, here's how I see it: um, people now ha utilize technology to reach out, uh, to convey, and to talk with their counselors and so on. Mm -hmm. And even with, uh, in the case of in in my old um, or oh, the old configuration, I had about sixty-five, almost seventy thousand people. All 70,000 people don't come to me at any one given time to talk to me about any, any particular issues. Only a small percentage of people still come to you. And even if you magnify that and add another um, uh, 40,000, 50,000 people to it, you still, if you, if you, you know, um, 
the, the, the sort of the, the growth is still a, a small factor anyways in terms of the number of people you see on a daily basis. I think that there are ways you can strategically um, develop your office, create opportunities where you can go out. We have, for example, in the next um, number of months, we probably have about 10 town hall meetings. That's probably be about um, uh, five more than I had with the 65. And that is we have town hall meetings in areas to be able to geographically allow people to get to meetings, to come to talk to me, to talk to their neighbors in a collective way, to talk about issues and so on. Uh, people can reach me now on Facebook, um, Twitter, uh, utilizing emails and the whole social media, and people are doing it. To this morning, for example, we'll be sending out an e-newspaper, news, newsletter, to probably about um, 5,000 people in the community about issues that are taking place and things that are going on. My office still receives calls. I have you know, staff here at the Scarborough Civic Center, which is where we are doing this um, interview. I have staff at uh, City Hall and so on. We've looked at how to make the office much more efficient and so on. There have been traditional ways, certainly, of doing things. We've become used to those ways, and people accept them, and we go through the motion. The premier has come and said, look, I was a member of council. I saw how council worked. And I have some other ideas. And let me introduce those. Because we are, um, as you know, creatures of the problems. We were created by the problems. They still get to dictate a lot of what we do. And they can override many of the things that we do. Yeah. Uh, we have the CODA, the City of Toronto uh, Act, which uh, specifies certain things and so on. Um, and and we, we, you know, we're able to work through that. Um, as it relates to the TTC and the subway uploading and so on, there's no doubt in my mind that a um, uh, building transit is an important objective of all government. Mm -hmm. And at our level, we, uh, the municipal level, do not have all the resources to build on those transit plans. So the province has said, and the premier has said, look, I'm going to upload the, the, the subways. I'm going to expand and build. I'm going to put in place uh, programs to ensure that we can have public-private partnership relationships, uh, and that could create more, um, um, you know, opportunity to build and doing it faster and so on. I think that it's something that we really need to look at. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what the um, agreements will be, and there should be agreements where we get some compensation back for the contribution that we put into the system, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day. Serving the interests of the public, and that is all people in Toronto and, let's say, the region. And the premier has to think bigger because it's, he's a premier of the province of Ontario. And so by look, you know, by the, his efforts to upload and to build more and rapidly increase transit, I think it's something that we need to look at and see how it works and how we can support it. Uh, if, in fact, uploading is going to give us the same results that we have now, it makes no sense. But if uploading is going to give us better results and create better opportunities so that your children, when they're ready to go off to university, for example, if they're going to go UFT, York, or Ryerson, or, in, or college, anywhere they're going to go, if the reliability of the system is greater, if the frequency of the system in terms of buses and everything coming is greater, if the... Um, number of lines that are in the system is greater, that would be great. It's really important in terms of recognition as to how we build the system. When you look at other systems around the world, uh, it's important to recognize um, that other systems around the world are much more involved. And I look at, um, you know, whether or not it's New York um, and uh, many of the other places around the world where People are building transit, and those transit lines are providing greater uh, opportunity of flexibility for people to travel and getting to where they want to get to. It's, um, it's something that we need to improve upon. Unless we're prepared to improve upon it, I'm not sure how we, the city of Toronto, is going to build it. That's why I'm really supportive of the province um, coming up with um, a better system, as they say they can. And if they can, we need to look at how we support them, recognizing that Toronto's needs are fully met and so on. I was trying to find a map that showed a uh, number of different systems, and it showed, I think we showed Paris, New York, yeah, yeah. and I think Montreal. Yeah, exactly, and Toronto has like 
one, two, up and down. So I was just trying to find that on my phone here and yeah, so on. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, you can never find these things when you want to. But I, I just wanted to show you that. I'm saying that what we have now is not, uh, it, it, well, it doesn't work. And what we need to have uh, won't work if we're the ones uh, putting it forward because we don't have the ability to um, to, uh, to to finance it. And if the uh, other level of government is saying, hey, we have ways and means for you to finance these things, for us to finance it to help you and benefit you, yeah. more power to them. Have you been to Taiwan, Taipei? I have not No, okay. yet. Um, it's funny. When the, the only time I went there, I mm -hmm. saw... Uh, Norm Kelly there, okay. Which at the airport, which is the strangest <laughs> thing. Um, so I thought maybe in in your capacity you, you had might have not uh, to Taiwan, might yeah. have gone. But one of the things about um, Taipei and, and their subway system. Mm -hmm. So my understanding is that that city is is very similar in in terms of size, right, uh, to the city of Toronto, um, and their subway system is is expansive. Mm. Um, un unlike to what I would consider Toronto subway system, right? Um, and I remember asking our our guide there, and I said, "How did you guys build this so quickly? Um, you know, when you have elections and stuff, didn't people, you know, different leaders come in want to do their own thing?" And and she mentioned to me, and again, I don't know the whole uh, background and history yeah. and mechanics, but she says, you know, once it's decided, it gets done. There, nobody can come in and stop it. Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious, um, you know, uh, I'm not a supporter of, uh, of the provincial uh, government. No, that's fine. But I'm curious, and I've talked to people, I say, what if it works? Mm -hmm. What if uploading the subway right. and uploading that responsibility actually means that within 10 years or whatever the time frame is, is that you can take a look now mm -hmm. at the map yep. and see that all corners of the city um, – are serviced, whether that's by a subway, whether that's by way more buses, whether that's by some sort of a, a light rail transit, above yep. ground, below ground, it doesn't matter to me. Combination of those things. Yeah. Yep. Um, does that does it matter who does it and what color their political stripes are, but that it gets done? Yeah, right? so, that, so my view is just that. Yeah. Um, I want to see the system work for the purpose of ensuring that we can service the customers who who are in need. Mm -hmm. um, so less wait time, for example, on the SRT and so on. Um, I want to see an integrated uh, modal system of transit, subways, light rail vehicles, buses, taxis, smaller buses that are going to integrate into communities yeah. and delve into connecting with larger buses. Um, as we are now here at Scarborough, we are now in the process of uh, going through the planning and, and providing information to the public here about this uh, area will have the fourth largest transit hub in North America. Mm -hmm. We'll have four transit systems coming through it. Go Transit, TTC, Durham, and the Markham Transit and so on. And of course, taxis will all come and all these different things will be here. It will be more efficient for people to be able to travel downtown and travel elsewhere in the city. Um, so my thought is that it doesn't matter who does it. It doesn't matter what their politics is. As long as we can all agree that a plan that is put in place is going to be actualized. Yeah. And then uh, you know timelines and on the reality is that it's going to be delivered and so on. I don't care what your politics is. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I'm i more interested in results. Yeah. And so when I say to you that I want to see and uh, uh, how this opportunity will work, it's really important. So there's a lot of people who say, just say no, no, no to Doug Ford stealing our subway. They use terms like that and so sure, on. Sure, sure. And I say, well, the interesting thing is that he hasn't come to say, I want to steal anything. He has come to say, first and foremost, I want to talk to you about uploading, uh, let's put a framework together. And that's what we've done at the City of Toronto. And mm -hmm. City Council have said, okay, well, we're fine. You know, let's take a look at it. Let's see what it would mean. Let's see how we do it and so on. Because it has to be done in a thoughtful, you know, methodical way to ensure that we can achieve results. Mm -hmm.
another we could talk for like hours on transportation <laughs> apparently so <laughs> yeah one day it's, maybe it's we will yeah. um an, another issue um especially winter uh, that always comes to you know the front pages, so to speak, of the newspapers is housing, um, shelters more specifically. Yep. But I, I think that whole th that to me, it's almost all related. You know, af affordable housing, shelters, uh, and things like that. Um, as it, and I always say, you know, city as as a large um, and as uh, as as rich uh, and as caring, I believe that this city is. Um, we, we shouldn't have the issues of the shelter issues and the shelter beds that we seem to have. Um, it seems that the city's done a better job this year than what happened last year. I, I don't, there's, there's not as much uh, talk about uh, people on the streets this year as, as it was last winter. Mm -hmm. um, what are we doing as a city to ensure that, um, I'll use this phrase, no one is left behind? So, um, yeah, and I think that's a good phrase to use to start the conversation. Um, it, is, it so happens that I'm responsible as part of my community for the shelter. Okay. <laughs> so it's, right. a, it's a good thing. Um, and I, and it's, um, it, it is important to understand that the city is a caring city. Mm -hmm. uh, the mayor and his leadership has been very, very purposeful and been very beneficial in terms of recognition that uh, there are people who are suffering. Um, and for a number of different reasons. They're suffering from a number of different causes and so on. So uh, some of it is mental health issues and so on. And so people um, are exposed to, um, you know, the street because of not being able to stay in whatever uh, domicile that they're involved with and so on. So they're out in the streets. And so we are mindful to that. There are other people who, for example, through no fault of their own, who have maybe lost their jobs and other things have happened, and all of a sudden they find themselves not having uh, shelter. And so we have um, uh, built and designed uh, shelters to actually uh, help um, solve some of the problems. Shelters are designed to be short-term, mm -hmm. and so they're not designed to allow people to be living in them for five, six, seven years, and that's part of the condition that we found. Um, depending on whose numbers you you talk to, you talk with, a uh, talk of, uh, to, to um, whether or not it's nine thousand people who are in need or twenty thousand people who are in need, and so on. The city of Toronto has uh, put in place um, uh, facilities to accommodate and and, and help people. You point out about the weather. I mean, this is weather is not the type of weather you simply just want to lay outside and sure. relax for a few hours or to sleep overnight. So yeah. I guess it's just not the appropriate thing to do. We don't want anyone uh, dying on our streets because of exposure to the element because they don't have a, a safe place to, to, to be. So we have, uh, for example, uh, street-to-homes units that are out on the streets of Toronto every single night. And they trying to help people, providing them with some food, encouragement to come in from the cold. We have um, respites uh, sites that we actually put up in place to, uh, for those individuals that we find in an emergency situation, be able to get them out of the cold and so on. And we have permanent shelter and so on. So last night, for example, in terms of our numbers, I get the yeah. numbers daily, for yeah. example, we had um, in our respites, we had about 96% uh, uh, occupancy. We had about 29 spaces available to help individuals who needed help. Um, street to homes, we had interaction with only 10 people last night, and the three of them accepted our services, which was to come out of the cold. We are now focusing our attention, in my view. While we still have a lot of uh, shelters to help people, to provide a permanent housing solution to help mm. individuals and so on. That is, I, I believe, should be our uh, principal focus. Uh, yes, land is expensive in the city of Toronto. There is a great deal of effort, and the mayor has promoted this, I've promoted this, where we're working with uh, developers to ensure that we can provide more affordable housing as part of what's being built. Uh, there is more rental housing that's actually being brought forward. And some have questioned us as to whether or not it would be better to provide a rent supplement, for example, uh, to individuals so that they can have shelter. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we've discussed and we've discovered is that it's not just a matter of providing someone with shelter. 
it's also providing with support and assisted uh, living services and so mm -hmm. on. There are individuals who have issues that need to have ongoing supervision and support. So even if you provide them with housing and so on, doesn't mean they will actually stay in it. And you've got to help them in terms of accommodating sure. themselves and so on. So a lot of work is actually being done, uh, much unlike what you uh, saw last year in terms of some of the challenges we're having. Uh, we have, I believe, done a better job in terms of responding to the need. The challenge we have is that uh, in this area, we're one of the few municipalities that offers shelters and services mm -hmm. because many of the other municipalities don't. So people actually come here, mm. right, to uh, obviously benefit and, and enjoy the shelter services that we actually offer. So it's my, it's my view that as a city, we must continue to care for those who are in need. Uh, as uh, you pointed out, as a rich city, uh, we can and should, and we are. You want to encourage people to be able to help themselves. Yeah. What you have not heard, because it's not been reported out for the media for the most part, is that we have actually transitioned a great deal of people into permanent housing. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing. Sure. We have seen, if, uh, for example, our shelter uh, population has grown. 40% of the shelter population is actually new immigrants or refugees, mm -hmm. refugees coming into the system. And so we're trying to work with the federal government. Um, so, for example, yesterday's results that I had, February 25th, uh, we had in our, so we have men's shelters, women's shelter, youth shelters, and family shelters. In our men's shelter yesterday, we had, a, um, uh, on the 25th, we had an occupancy of about 98%. 36 beds were available to individuals who needed them. Women's shelter, we had an occupancy of about 99%. Or we had about five beds available. Youth shelter, we had 97% occupancy. And... Um, about 16 beds uh, available. The co-ed shelter, we had 97% occupancy, 18 beds, and the family um, shelters was fully occupied. We additionally have another 2,469 uh, motel uh, mm. facilities. That's part of our motel program. So when people say we're not doing anything, it is such a, uh, a, a, a statement that I cannot agree with. There's a lot that's actually being done. Uh, the more we do, the more the need seems to be. And so we are, um, uh, you know, balancing the interests uh, with respect to the resources that we actually have available. We're also expressing the needs to the other levels of government that we need to have assistance, particularly the federal government that um, brings in the new refugees and so on and then sure. say to them, here, you're in Toronto, see you later. Mm -hmm. And we're saying, great, they're here, let's figure out how you now help us to make sure that we can accommodate them. So a lot of work is being done in this area, and I, I'm very pleased with the professional men and women who, I had to tell you, I spend a lot of time working and talking with them. And so they're, do, they're doing a lot of work. But there's a lot of effort, leadership by the mayor and, 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 and myself and others and so on, to try to um, minimize certainly the need for shelter and to increase our um, asset with respect to the more permanent housing. We can probably talk housing for hours. We talk all these things as, for hours. As well. <laughs> Fortunately, we don't so have. True. We don't have a lot of time, <laughs> yeah. and, and I know we're, we're coming up against the clock. So, yes. um, so some some quick things. Um, your, fa your favorite place in Scarborough? My house. Your house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, my favorite place. Uh, you know what? Beyond my house are, I would say, the parks uh, system in What's your favorite room. park? Uh, so, Burkdale Ravine is uh, yeah. a favorite area for mine. That's not too far from it's here. It's not very, it's yeah. very close. Um, Thompson Park, of course, no yeah. relations in terms no. of our name, <laughs> but uh, Thompson Park is a beautiful park. It's a big park. It's part of my ward, and yeah. uh, people go there. It's funny that... Great Rib to, Fest that happens. Great Rib Fest happens yeah. every year, but also what's really interesting is that people from all over the world, they come and in the summertime, they're able to get out of their homes and go into the park, yeah. barbecue, yeah. gather with their friends and have such a great time and no problems. That's so true. Yeah. We have our, uh, once a year, we have a campfire there for the, with the uh, Scouts, Scouts Cubs. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. Um, That's a rite of passage, by the way. I think so. Oh, uh, when I was a Boy Scout, we used to go there as well. Yeah. <laughs> Your favorite restaurant in Scarborough? 
Oh man, you're gonna get a lot of people angry <laughs> at know, you because you can I only know. pick one. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not gonna pick one. Oh no. Okay. Uh, right. I'm gonna tell you that it all depends on uh, what I want to eat because right. Scarborough is such a foodie place, right? Yeah. Uh, you can have great Korean, you can have great Guyanese, great Caribbean, great Chinese, uh, great Sri Lankan, so on. So. I will just simply say that they're all my favorite. All <laughs> um, Scarborough has has these strip plazas, unlike yes. a lot of places in Toronto. Yeah. Do you have a favorite strip plaza, favorite local plaza? Um, yeah, I do. I do that. Um, so let me just speak to the notion of strip plazas before I tell you what my favorite plaza sure, is. Sure, yeah. Because it's uh, one of my favorite places as a meeting place, right? That's really what it is. Mm. Um, many years ago, when I was uh, probably my second term, uh, having been elected, a number of people came to me and they said, well, you know, why don't you focus on trying to get rid of these strip plazas? And I thought, are you out of your mind? Because the strip plazas are absolutely wonderful. They're fascinating. They're great. These are the places where people who come new to the city and entrepreneurs who can actually get their start mm -hmm. in these very places and so on. Mm -hmm. So the thing was not to focus on bringing them down or, or stripping them or bulldozing them. It was about how we animated the areas in which they were located and how do we encourage people to be there, uh, both in terms of the businesses and so on. Because there was a time when businesses uh, tell me, oh, you know, I'm not doing any business, I'm, it's very slow. That's part of the reason why we formed the BIAs and so on. We've got Kennedy Road BIA. We have Lawrence, um, Wexford Heights BIA on Lawrence Avenue. And so that has transformed itself, right? And so all of these plazas now are places where people are going in, buying, and people are open up business and so on. And you don't have to pay the high rents that you do yeah. downtown or percentage of your sales and things like that. And so it's been very effective. So my favorite is the Wexford Plaza, which okay. is at Warden and Lawrence, and yeah. uh, the Wexford restaurant particularly, because I can actually call there now if I wanted to know how members of the community were thinking mm. and get results right away. So my quick action poll can be done there, <laughs> the no restaurant. problem. Call the <laughs> restaurant, hey, what are people saying about this? It's on CP24. Oh my God, Michael, here's what they're saying about it, and so on and <laughs> so forth. And I could actually talk to people because there are people there every hour of yeah. the day when it's open, talking politics, talking things. So that's my favorite plaza. Um, your favorite Scarbarian, and they can't be related to you. My favorite Scarbarian, <laughs> Scarbarian. Oh my gosh, uh, favorite person. Oh, that's a uh, that's a really tough one, actually. Um, so, my favorite person who passed away sure. was um, Joyce Trimmer. She's okay. a former mayor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was absolutely a dynamite. She was such a classy, beautiful lady. Mm -hmm. Oh, she was outstanding. And she always had the time of day. And there were many people like that. Like Frank Robert was similar. Uh, um, uh, John Wims. These are people who passed away. Um, my favorite uh, Scarbarian, right? Mm -hmm. So I think my favorite guy, oh, gosh. <laughs> I know some people will be jumping at me. But I think my favorite guy now is probably Tony Cariaco. He's the owner of the Wexford restaurant. Tony okay. is such right. a colorful, okay. right. uh, he's a guy that's caring, it's giving. I mean, I have lots of favorites. I'll just identify him sure. because he's always top of the list uh, uh, and so on. So yeah. Nice. Thanks so much. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. This has uh, been uh, nice. Nice. Uh, thank you. And you're a great interviewer, and uh, it's uh, doing a fireside chat. This has yeah. been very good. So hopefully this uh, is very helpful to you and makes a lot of sense. And uh, I know who your listeners are, but hopefully they will find this to be somewhat um, helpful. And I hope that uh, in the future we could do this again, maybe yeah. a specific topic, subject matter, and we can focus and dive into those a little bit more, whether or not it's housing, transit, or I'd shelter systems yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And maybe one day we can take you on a tour of our shelters. And That'd be great. See that? So let's work that out. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Thank I you. appreciate you. Thanks, boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are one of my bosses, right? So Fair. many, many yeah. of my bosses who are my residents yeah, here. So. <laughs> All right. Thank you.